Hello, and welcome to the Session 6 Sport Performance Podcast, powered by Weight Endurance. I'm your host, Cody Weight, sitting here, actually we're on location this week, um, at Cascade Sports Physical Therapy in Lakewood, Colorado, actually our next-door neighbor here at Session 6, and we have um, a guest, Justin Dudley. How are you guys doing? Thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet. And then our my co-host, as usual, Kathy Waite. Hello. So we got uh, the three of us here on today's episode, and what we really want to address here um, in episode 15 is talking a lot about mobility, strength training, specifically related to um, cycling performance, and then kind of injury prevention, and we'll even touch a little bit on like the most common um, injuries that cyclists maybe face and run into. Um, so our podcast is brought to you by our 2020 Base Builder Program taking you through our annual off-season base training, thought processes, and training progressions to make you a fitter and faster rider by spring. Um, so I think we all of us sitting here, we'd agree that mobility is super key. Mm-hmm. Strength training, I mean, it's a big part of our base builder program. Um, and I know, Justin, you have a lot of background in, in strength training and not only from the physical therapy side, but you're a pretty good athlete yourself, rumor has it. That's that's <laughs> flattering, thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I would definitely agree. I mean, I think mobility and strength are things that can easily be overlooked um, in a training program, especially in an endurance-style sport, right. runners, cyclists, all of that. So um, both with our, our rehab component as well as our performance component that we do here, we definitely encourage both of those throughout the, uh, the training season, both off-season and in-season. Cool. Very good. Well, I've had the privilege of working with you quite a bit this last year, and you're... Yeah, you're a regular. Yeah. <laughs> I am a regular. Um, but I've really appreciated all I've learned from you, um, and we've become friends, so it's a... Absolutely. It's, it's a bonus. Uh, you also participated just a little bit in our cycling program. Um, we'd like to get you back over there, but you're pretty busy over here. So, anyway, thanks for being a part of this, and why don't we start by learning a little bit more about your sports background Growing up, where you grew up, college, professional, career, etc. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, grew up in Washington State, up in the northwest corner of it in Bellingham. Um, so, grew up, uh, soccer was my main sport. Uh, played that through high school, played it collegiately, attempted some post-collegiate play. Um, when I was in high school, I uh, lived about a mile from Galbraith Trail System, which is um, a huge mountain bike trail system oh, up there. Cool. And back in the day, there was no maps. It was all logging grounds, and people were just up there building trails and wow. all that. Since then, it's really grown into a really cool mountain bike system. But um, did a ton of riding, uh, did a little bit of racing in high school, really enjoyed it. And then mountain bike, mountain bike race cool. primarily. Um, uh, went on to college, like I said, played soccer in college, was on scholarship. And unfortunately, when that's the case, they kind of ixnay a lot of the other yeah, activities you get sure. to do. So right, right. fell on a mountain bike and still rode biked quite a bit. Um, you were like in college for, in, for fitness and just fun. Just for fitness yeah. and fun, yeah. It was just, I don't know, something different That's than the awesome. soccer Because at the high level soccer, you were at like in your contract or scholarship, it was yep. like you can't do risky sports. Can't do that, can't ski, <laughs> ski can't, right? yeah, all the other stuff. So okay. hmm. you get hurt doing any of those, you lose your, your scholarship, yeah. lose your money. Yeah, that makes sense. So, um, yeah, like I said, went on trying to play post-collegiately. Um, had a bad hamstring injury, um, so switched my focus to coaching. Um, coached at the college level for a couple of years. Um, and then went on to grad school to do my PT work here at University of Colorado. Um, oh, okay. With the plan being, go back to north, the Northwest. I've now been here for 14 years and don't see myself never going left. anywhere. Had never yeah. left. But um, I think the other cool thing that I had the opportunity to do was um, when I was in high school, my dad and I did 
uh, mountain bike trip. We rode the Continental Divide Trail from Canada to Mexico. Oh, sweet. So it took three oh months. Gosh, it was with tents and all that. Tents and all that. Wow. This was before it was a thing. Yeah, right. So, right. <laughs> uh, we had the maps, the first generation of maps from Adventure Cycling. Okay. And they basically had us do their beta testing. So we rode where it said at miles 600 whatever, turn left. We turned left. And then nothing else matched up. So we'd ride back, we turn right, and all that. Now it matches up, so we change our map, and we send them all back in oh and afterwards. So we well, spent, you never told me yeah, that. I, I never knew that either. Story. We spent three months um, camping and just riding. That is amazing. In the mountains. So, wow. How old were you when you did that? Uh, Fifteen. Wow. wow that's, that's a cool experience. Yeah, Does your dad still ride? Uh, he tries. He has some health stuff going on. Yeah. So he uh, he took a bad bike crash about a year and a half ago mm-hmm. where he broke seven ribs and a sternum and concussion and all that. Mm-hmm. So we switched yeah. him to, to a trike where he's a little bit more stable okay. um, as he's riding. Okay. Yeah. Wow, that's a great like <clears throat> memory to have with your dad, too. And it is. What an adventure, traveling, exploring from the north yeah, to the south. I that's love amazing. It. My friend Jason would love he'd be super envious hearing this because he loves like the bike packing yeah he, he and our buddy tom just did the colorado trail for a week and i mean they were doing like 12 hour days minimum yeah, yeah. i'm very like ad- admirable of that i mean it's like something that in my mind I'm like oh that'd be really fun to but do. we're really babies about wanting a shower <laughs> and comfortable but <laughs> you said that yesterday you, know, like, you don't camp no i don't <laughs> but it was cool it was, i mean i always tell my high school kids too if you have any of the high school kids listening to this is a 15 year old Last thing you want to do is be gone all summer, right? You want to play with your friends. Sure. I was trying to play competitive soccer, and so I was I was frustrated with my dad yeah. at the time. Um, obviously, looking back, it's one of the best trips of my life, and I, I've learned a lot from it. Right. But I always use the aspect of perspective of when I got back, it was the year the Macarena came out. So <laughs> anyone who's old enough to know okay. the Macarena dance, and my whole soccer team, all my friends knew the Macarena. They, knew it, they, and they would do it during warm-ups, and I didn't know it. And and like, I, felt so, it? I thought it was the biggest thing in the world. I, <laughs> Watched MTV, put in the VHS cassette, hit the record button, <laughs> learned it on my own, but it was because of perspective. Yeah. What seems like a big deal at the time. Right. Yeah. Three months adventure with your dad or learning the Macarena. <laughs> yeah. Well, just the fact you were like that disconnected yeah. to miss something cultural like the Macarena, right? And that's actually, that's pretty cool. So what do you do for cycling now in, in Colorado? Um, spend quite a bit of time on the mountain bike still. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the front range stuff. Um, yeah. still, I know you had the Scott Genius. I did got the Scott yeah. Genius. I How love you, it. You love that bike? I love it. Yeah. I love it. Took me just a little bit to get the, it dialed in with the twin lock where they changed the suspension at the same time. Yeah. I took a handful of rides there, but after that, it's it's been awesome. Yeah. And uh, shout out to the bikery for, for uh, setting you up with that absolutely. bike. Absolutely. That's a sweet bike. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, so I do a lot of that. I still road ride some, um, just with the traffic and mm-hmm. cars and all that. I still get a little bit nervous on the road. Yeah, yeah. so do we. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm more of a dirt rider now. Okay. I enjoy it. I think that's the trend in the whole cycling industry right now is like migrating towards dirt, whether it's mountain biking or gravel. Right. You know, people, it is like we live in such a world of distractions and riding on the road. I mean, I've done it my entire life, so I don't think of it as much, but it's definitely becoming more and more obvious that people are distracted and it's possible something bad could you yeah. know happen. it makes me nervous with Sophia I'm always t- yeah. telling her nobody's looking for you yeah. pay attention so we're lucky we live in an area that has a lot of trails and dirt roads and yeah. things to get away from the cars but yeah um, very good well I've appreciated Justin that you know how to cycle and you're familiar with um, bike fits and like just the sport of cycling so that you've really been able to help me um, figure out what's wrong, what's causing my knee pain, um, how my back fusion surgery changes things in the bike. It's just been really helpful. Great. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 
Um, it's always a lot easier to work with athletes when you know their sport. Yeah. And obviously, if we have athletes that come through that don't, we do everything we can to learn it. But right. Yeah, it's nice to, to know that the cycling side of, of things as well as the athlete mentality. Yeah. yeah. I think those those sure. both go hand in hand. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Push the pain. <laughs> Um, okay, cool. Well, we wanted to start first with the topic of mobility, because that's a, a buzzword. And what does mobility mean? A lot of times people think of mobility as flexibility, and they're a little bit different. So maybe you could start with talking about what mobility means. Yeah, so I think mobility and, and flexibility are different. I think um, flexibility really um, relates a little bit more to specific muscle ability and your ability to get through a, a range of motion, whereas I feel like mobility... Um, as a precursor or a, a uh, adjunct to stability. So I don't think you can have one without the other. So I always tell patients, if you're going to spend time mobilizing, right, I always enjoy or I always encourage them to um, do a little bit of stability work in that newfound range. Because the body naturally, if you're losing mobility, you're, you're losing some of that flexibility. Oftentimes it's because the body is either prolonged positioning, uh, which we see a lot in the cycling world, or it doesn't have the ability to stabilize or control when it's in this new position, so it's going to naturally guard because your body won't mm-hmm. let you be in a position or in a range where it can't stabilize it. We have that natural ability of the body to protect itself. So okay. um, if, we, if you don't have the stability throughout a full range of motion, your body's never going to be there. So if you combine that thinking in the cycling world, right, if we limit our range of motion or we're in prolonged positioning in a range of motion, and then we mobilize to get out of that position, but we never train or create stability outside of that range of motion, your body's just going to tighten right back up. So we can mobilize all day long, uh, but it may not be as effective as it as it could be. Okay. That makes sense. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Can you give an example of a specific exercise that someone would need to stabilize in a new position? Or yeah. like a situation? Yep. Absolutely. So we see all the time people, um, when they try to get to the bottom of a squat or into a deep um, hip flexion position, right? So if that, that knee's up towards the chest um, and they feel super stiff, they feel super tight in that position, everything else, and then we really get in and look at them, they may not have the ability to control internal or external rotation of a hip in that position, right? So the glutes are just constantly in kind of that on position to try and guard, and so it feels tight as you're trying to sit down into the deep mm. end of that squat. Because um, every muscle is going to have what we consider a length tension relationship, right? So I use the bicep just as a, as a basic example. And that bicep is all the way long. Mm-hmm. It's not super strong. When it's all the way short, it's not super strong. But in that mid-range, you're pretty strong. Oh, okay, right? right. And so, um, again, bringing that back to the cyclist, cycling happens quite a bit in kind of mid-range. Mm. Yeah, you're in that like flat, closed hip flex. Closed hip, yeah, but you never fully get hip extension, but you're never at end-range hip yeah, flexion. Same thing with point. the knee. You're down it probably you probably get it down to... I don't know, 15 or 20 degrees close to right. full, extension, full extension. Yeah, you're maybe yeah. up to 80, 90 degrees of knee flexion. So you're never at the end ranges. Yeah. So if all you do is cycle all day long in that same range of motion, you're already nice and strong there, but outside of that natural range, you're going to get tight. Right. So it's really important then for cyclists, or anybody probably, to really go through full extensions of everything, the, you know, knees, hips, elbows, shoulders, right. everything, really, yep. right? Yeah. Mm thought of it that way that's really if it doesn't happen in your sport like in cycling then you need to do it off the bike right in the gym or at home or whatever and okay that makes a lot of sense yeah because you hear about cross training and why it's that you need to do it it's beneficial but i hadn't thought of it in the terms of um, getting the full extension of the limbs that are not extending when you're cycling yeah really interesting um, and I think the other, the other component to mobility is is every patient we see, everybody that you come across probably needs some form of mobility, right, mm-hmm. somewhere in their body. Um, and just because the buddy next to you is doing mobilizing their calf or whatever it is doesn't necessarily mean that you do. So 
I always say don't mobilize just for the sake of mobilizing. Mobilize with purpose. Okay. Um, and so that can be going through a quick screen of, hey, what is your, your dorsiflexion? How much can you get that shin to advance over your toes? What is your hip flexion? What is your hip extension? All these things that we can look at. Um, and then we can kind of dial in the mobility. So you're not spending five hours on the bike, an hour or two doing cross-training, and then trying to do another hour of mobility. Let's, let's pare that down to being very precise in what we're mobilizing. Um, and what you need, what will help you. What will help you. And there's obviously there's some common trends in cycling that we can talk about, but I think that um, as a whole, I wouldn't just mobilize for the sake of mobilizing. I would mobilize with purpose. Okay. Well, since our listening audience is pretty much all cyclists, um, like what are a couple, like, the most important ones, I guess, for the for the average or typical cyclist. Yeah. Like, where are we least mobile, and maybe what can we do to address that? Yep. Um, so I think thoracic mobility is huge in a lot of cyclists because you're kind of always in that forward bent position, so mm-hmm. that upper back tends to get tight. Um, and not just into extension. I think extension is great, but also look at rotation of that thoracic uh, spine. Yeah. So the way that the spine works is you basically have two little wings on either side of it, right? So when you bend forward, those wings kind of open on the segment below it and above it okay when you extend they close and then when you rotate one side opens one side closes yeah so you have to be able to train and, and mobilize in a three-dimensional capacity and yeah. especially that comes into play with mountain biking right if you're throwing some biking glitch or whatever else is you're going around corners and, and right. whatever right you gotta have that rotational ability um in that thoracic spine so i always start with thoracic spine and then from there i move above and below right so i'll do upper trap in the next so basically grab onto the side of a chair tip your head sideways in a way okay. and that'll give you a nice good pull yeah. through that upper trap yeah um, and then psoas is obviously the other one that everyone harps on that hip flexor yes it's nice and tight and cyclist yeah um, just based on that that posturing on the bike right and um, we sit all day and you sit all day and, yeah throughout the rest of society driving at a desk whatever yep um, so I'd say those are probably the biggest one. And the other one that I spend a fair bit of time with cyclists on is piriformis, a little muscle in mm-hmm. the back of the hip, um, just because you can press it quite a bit as okay. you're riding. And, yeah. and it gets used some as you're going through the top end of that pedal stroke, but it tends to tighten up as well. So okay. I'd say those would be my, my four big ones, is kind of thoracic spine, upper trap, and then hip flexor and, and okay. piriformis. I think, Kathy, you might even know more than me, in our strength program, we address a, quite a few of those things. I know we do, for example, like the couch stretch to work on the front of the hip, the mm-hmm. hip flexor. Um, we do... Yeah, I, I'll say that I haven't thought about the thoracic spine and would love some tips on how to open that up. I, I guess that the, you can lay on the foam roller and do some things. Mm-hmm. You can lay on the foam roller. Um, and again, one of the things with mobility is it's great if you do it when you're at the gym or right when you get off the bike or whatever, mm-hmm. but the reality is, is is if you do it for five minutes once a day, it's probably not going to change a whole lot, in okay. all honesty. So you got to find a way to implement it throughout your day. Okay. Um, so oftentimes, thoracic spine, you can use a wall or you can use um, your desk in front of you. If you clasp your fingers behind the base of your neck, okay. so elbows will be out in front of you. Yeah. And you can either put those elbows on the wall or you can put them onto the desk in front of you. If you have a roller chair, you put those elbows on the desk. And then as you roll that chair away... You'll actually come up into some thoracic oh, extension as you get into that uh, position. Yeah. So if people could see us right now, they would see we all have our hands clasped behind our neck, and we're doing this with Justin. Yeah. Okay, um, we're going to do that in class. That's, that's yeah. a good one. And so you can use a bench or, or whatever. Or like the physio ball in front of you, the yep. stability ball. Ooh, Interesting. And, yeah, any one of those. Okay, I like this one. Um, and then the other one that I use quite a bit is laying on your side. So lay on your side, flex your top hip up to 90 degrees or your knee basically in line with your belly button mm-hmm. as you're laying there okay and then just open up that oh the 90-90 stretch the 90-90 yeah, the oh, yeah or any of those yep yeah. okay. we do that one a fair bit yeah you like know I just one. sort of forgotten about both 
well, that area, the thoracic area. So yeah. good reminder. We're going to implement that in <laughs> yeah. our classes at the end. So I think in our in our program specifically, like the our what we call our dynamic warm ups. There's quite a bit of mobility. Yeah, we'll do um, a top down squat that Kristen taught us, where yeah. we're um, at the bottom of the squat, uh, pushing our elbow into our knee as we grab our ankle and reaching and twisting. So I think any sort of spinal rotation is really That's helpful. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah I like that. but I don't know if that gets up and. Th- into the thoracic area as well, but still you're getting some rotation. Which It'll is, definitely get some, yeah. yeah. Yep, absolutely. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, again, I think mobility with purpose, but I think that uh, mobility like that. needs to be a part of it, and not just when you're at the gym, but throughout the day okay. to create some lasting change. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, it's nice during a work day, I would imagine, like take a three-minute break even probably, right? Yeah. That's all it would take. But yep. if you did it like once every two hours, or, you know, if you're having... Well, <laughs> I'm thinking about um, last a year ago when we traveled with our buddy Will Foley, mm-hmm. and um, well, he and I went to the airport together, and he could not stop laughing at me because every time he turned around, I was doing some sort of stretch or movement. Yeah, you're the queen of stretch. Yeah, I guess that no I, shame. You do it every day. No, the, the kids are always embarrassed. You're totally, I could be or, I could be in the middle of the grocery store right. and I think oh, you're squatting down, twisting. <laughs> So I think I'm really nailing that. Yeah. I'm thriving. I will I will throw in a little story there. Yeah. The yeah. store brought it up. So it. when I was I was a PT student, I had some low back pain, so we were working on pelvic tilts, right stand, tuck your toe underneath you, arch that back, kind of back and forth. And same thing, even from that, that point in my schooling, I was like, we need to do this throughout the day. So whenever you think about it, go ahead and do it. And this individual was probably late 40s, early 50s, and decided to do it in the checkout line of the grocery store stand there and some younger female who oh, yeah. to it, all security, all that. So, some of the things you might want to do behind like closed a, doors. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Have some discretion to your mobility. Some hip thrusts behind the, the female customer in front of you. Yeah, oh, that's that funny. Go over very well. That's a good one. Um, yeah. So, really, mobility is it's far more than just simply stretching. I think people get the concept like, oh, I hear it all the time anyways, like, I need to stretch more, I need to make it more in my routine, but really they probably benefit more so in having, thinking more of it like a mobility movement of like going through a greater range of motion for whatever that is. And stabilizing. stabilizing. In that that full range of motion position, is that what I'm hearing? Okay. Yeah, spend some time in end range, both in extension and flexion of whatever whatever joint it is and create some stability in that range. All right. yeah, so, I, I tend good. to be hypermobile, and our buddy Dr. Rick Zimmerman would always harass me when before I did strength training One years ago that. and say mm-hmm. you're too mobile and not strong enough. Right. And I would I would honestly be baffled. I didn't really know what he meant. Yeah. As I I wasn't familiar with strength training back then. It was like ten years ago. I'm like what was he talking about? What's wrong with being the way I am? But yeah. now I know. Like I just was like jiggly wiggly noodly. I didn't have strength in a joint, so. I remember flying off my bike one time in Bear Creek Park and landing with my arm kind of open into the side and just like, oh, like really hurt my shoulder because like there was no strength around that shoulder joint to hold it in place when I, I mean, first of all, I fell. That doesn't help. But like now I've, I feel more comfortable if I were to fall like that. I'm just stronger and I'm going to hold things in place more and fingers crossed I wouldn't be hurt like I was that day. Right. And we get people, all, all types of people, right? We have people who are super stiff, and they probably need to spend a little bit more time with mobility. We have people who are just hypermobile um, naturally, yeah. and I think they don't need to necessarily spend as much time. Right. Would you with, say the, those mobility. individuals would benefit more from, like, strength training? Because yeah. it kind of, like, for lack of a better word, like, shortens and stiffens Tightens. muscles yeah. and tightens. Yeah, and I think I think it's, it's less so tightens. It, it's more of just 
the ability to control the joint. Control, so if you're yeah. if you're hypermobile, you don't have those same passive constraints of tighter ligaments and all these other things okay. that someone who isn't hypermobile is. So you, that's even more important to be able to develop that strength through the end range. You may not have to work to get to the end range, but you still may not be strong in that end range. So you really need right. to, to focus on that that stability at the end range. Okay. Um, yeah. That's been a huge part of my strength training protocol is just creating yeah, st- stability and control in my noodly joints. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm a, my body feels much different than it did 10 years ago from right. all the work. And clearly I need more work because I'm still over here learning <laughs> more things about how my body works and what I need to do well. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's this key for all every athlete, every person really, but especially endurance athletes I think tend to lack in the strength department and yeah. and maybe maybe that's where some of the injuries kind of yeah. come from. Well, I want to touch base on, go back to something you said a minute ago. You said um, you could do movement screening with athletes, cyclists. And wouldn't that be just a fantastic thing if someone who decided to get really serious about training would just make a preemptive appointment with with one of you, with somebody, yeah. and say, please, please look at me, like, let, do a movement screen. I'm getting ready to do this year-long intensive training bike program that I've yeah. never done before, and I don't want to get hurt. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, I think the, the value in that isn't necessarily that um, we're going to, there's no way we can guarantee, right, you're not going to get hurt or whatever else, but it'll allow you to be more efficient with your time mm-hmm. um, in the program, right? You can really dial in, do I need to spend more time because you guys will do a lot of the, the capacity testing right so mm-hmm. your FTTE testing and all that so we can say do I need to spend more time on capacity do I need to spend more time on strength do I need to spend more time on mobility and kind of dial in the program because yeah. a lot of what, what stuff is I know you guys do a great job of personalizing it but it's it's, it's programmed for the group or programmed yeah, for the masses it's a, it's but, a group program but you need to, it's most yeah but, but you have to be able to dial it in for yourself right right um, the two probably the two easiest tests that I'll um, share with people to do is one um, if you are going to get into strength training, dorsiflexion or that ability of that shin to advance over the front of your toes is really important for squatting, for function, for running, any of those kind of things. Okay. Um, so I just put people either standing or kneeling in front of a wall and see how far you can get your foot away from the wall, keeping your foot flat so your heel still touching the ground, but your knee can touch the wall. Oh, yeah. Okay. I know okay. this so one because Bobby McGee used to do this for his run training. Mm-hmm. When you go to those clinics he did. So yes. for runners in particular, that's a big... That's a huge part yeah, of it, the squatters and any sort of yeah. lifting. But yeah, so if, how far can you get your foot away from the wall, um, keeping your heel flat on the ground, but have your knee actually touch, touch the, the wall? wall? Yeah. And a real simple thing is, can you get all five fingers in between the front of your toe and the wall? If you can't, you probably need to work on some of that mobility a little bit. Okay. Um, and then the other one is I always look at, what do people look like weighted versus unweighted? Meaning, if you're going to do a front squat or a back squat or an overhead squat or whatever it is, right, can you do it with a PVC and look good? Okay. Right, and then does it get worse with weight? If you look good with a PVC and it gets worse with load, oftentimes that's a strength issue. If you look better with load, it's because that load is helping you achieve a good position, uh, and so then it's probably more of a mobility well, issue. Uh, that's okay, a very, so very general. Yeah. Right? It's not necessarily going to be exact, but it's an easy way to say, "Hey, I'm, I never feel like I can get into a front squat until I hit 135, and then I can settle in yeah. perfectly." Well, it's because you don't have great mobility, right. and you need that load to, to drive you down there. And that makes sense that like. You look good with no load, and then you put load, and you look better than, you know, it means that... Um, oh, wait, yeah, I think you said the opposite. Yeah, so you don't look good with load because you don't have the strength. You right. look good with load because you don't have the mobility. Right. It's yeah. really interesting. So, well, where I'm going with this is, oh, like, sorry. coaching athletes, especially with, like, the deadlift, 
um, and you're starting them out really lightweight, and I've said this to them many times, it's like, you know, you want to get like your shoulders back and get in the proper position, and what I'll say is often, it's sometimes difficult to do without a heavy enough weight, like it actually right. becomes easier to do it better with weight. So really, that means they need to work on their mobility. They need, their they shoulders, need to play, yep, play with some mobility work. Upper thoracic spine, hmm. right? Or getting their knees back. Like, mm-hmm. if they can't do it with, you know, little load, then it's like they're limited probably in their hamstrings. Yeah, this is interesting. I'm giggling if people hear me because you're moving around. <laughs> he's, he's showing me his deadlift. Therefore, it looks more like a twerk to me, but yes. <laughs> That's funny. He's a terrible dancer. <laughs> Sorry, I saw my... <laughs> Uh, that's that's really cool. Well, I'm going to think a lot about that. Yeah, me too. In the gym. I just want you to come over and help us with the group training all the time. Sure, we're, we're always happy to come over and do do guests. I know you just know sessions. you know a lot more than than I do about it. So we it's we know it differently. Differently, yeah. Different things. I mean, right. it's more or less. Hmm. Yeah, I like it. <sighs> what what next? Well, cool. I think that's a good segue, maybe towards like the strength side of things. I mean, m- most people understand you get stronger in the gym it's going to help your sport performance and whatever but you know i guess maybe narrowing it in more specifically to cyclists and or you may start broad too if you if you want with your experience of all kinds of athletes coming in to cascade yeah like benefits of strength that kind of thing absolutely yeah i think i think there's some resistance to strength training with endurance athletes right um and i think that that's changing it's changing but but i I think that comes from a couple things one i think um there's been that long standing fear of you know if i lift weights i'm gonna get bulky right Mm -hmm. right and that's definitely yeah that's definitely not the case yeah um there's also the the component of, of endurance athletes spend so much time in their endurance style sport that they feel like they don't have time right to strength train yeah or they'll come and say well I want to get better at riding my bike. I need to spend every minute riding my bike and this other stuff. Maybe it helps a little, but not as much as riding more. And it's like, mm, I don't know if that's actually true. Like, yeah. It, it helps a lot. Yeah, and I think you look at, at the Tour de France and you look at track cycling, you look at all these all these folks now, right? And all of the, the speeds are going up and the numbers are going up and all that. And um, that's probably for a number of reasons, but I think that a big part of it is, is strength training has become such a big part of cycling at the top level mm-hmm. um so i think from the top down we're starting to see that it makes a huge difference in in cycling and yeah um so the professionals are doing it the, the olympians are doing it mm-hmm. um and i think that um trickling that down into the, the recreational cyclist is huge yeah um it's going to allow you to enjoy the bike a lot more it's going to allow you to control your bike better um and honestly your, your performance is going to go up without a whole lot of extra extra time or extra work right right absolutely and i always feel like for me it's like when i go into the gym and lift weights I almost always feel better coming out almost like it was a physical therapy or chiropractic type session where it's like I can stand up better and like maybe my back was a little sore or tired from like oftentimes when we yeah, do road trips exactly we feel pretty crappy we'll purposefully stop at whatever little town's rec center we're in yeah. pay the entry fee go in spend 30-40 minutes lifting some weights and we come out and like our back no longer hurts and yeah. we're like standing we're less grumpy less grumpy <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Ready to go. There's Absolutely. so much like therapy involved in the, yeah. the strength training. Yeah, and I think so. We obviously see that in clinic quite a bit. I think the other component that, that we rely a lot on is is there is some good research out there, and they've done some good studies looking at mm-hmm. comparing people who maintain their normal endurance training program versus people who add a strength component. They've even looked at research where the amount of time training is the exact same. So they actually take a group, one group stays at their exact same endurance training that they normally do their normal training, okay. and the other group pulls out 
three hours a week off their endurance or getting off the bike and putting those three hours into the strength training. Yeah. And kind of across the board, the strength training group um, has improvements. Yeah. They don't have a huge change in VO2 max, but that's also a positive in the sense that the VO2, the oxygen consumption, doesn't decrease by spending less time mm. on the bike. Right. Um, but they increase mm. peak torque, they increase time to torque, they increase their power, their 40-minute um, all-out is better. Yeah. Um, and they really don't gain that weight. Yeah. So three, four hours of, of strength training a week, compared to all the, the endurance time you spend on the bike, you're not going to gain weight. Gain muscle. Weight. Yeah, that, yeah, that part always cracks me up. They're like, I don't want to gain weight. It's like, because they're picturing they're going to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger after three months of weightlifting twice a week. It's like, right. it doesn't really work that way. <laughs> <laughs> you guys been hours every day and eat enormous amounts of food. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's a good... I fully agree. Well, and we talk about this quite a bit, but as we're getting older, we see the benefits, um, like, from strength training like number one like we said feeling better number two um hopefully not getting injured or if we did get injured using strength training and our physical therapy routine to heal which Mm -hmm. i can attest to that's been huge for me this year healing from the it band injury and frankly i think i am not getting slower um and i'm getting older like my FTP numbers. My, yeah, you're getting faster. Yeah, it's like it's wild. Yeah. And I think a big part is the strength. Oh, it's a huge yeah. part. I mean, I think that is it. Because as we age, we lose that strength capacity yeah. as humans. But if we train it, we can hold on to it and lose it at least not as quickly, if, if not yeah, so. hold on to it. Yeah. It was, I have uh, a patient on, um, must have been Wednesday night, who was in here. She's coming back from an ACL. She's a big mountain biker. Um, and like you said, accidents, injuries happen, right? We can't prevent all those. Mm-hmm. Um, but she never did any strength training beforehand. And obviously, when you come back from an ACL, so much of what we do is yeah. lunge jumps, squat jumps, strength training, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And she's been back. She's been doing gravel bike rides and all that. And she's she's getting back on the mountain bike just for the first time, cleaning the whole enchilada. Okay. Um, and she's like, it's amazing. She's like, I never thought that strength training would make me a better rider, and not just in the sense of the power but the ability to control the bike and you're not as smoked and when you need to have that little red line you already have that capacity and um, so she's been super appreciative she literally was walking out the door on Wednesday night she's like it's amazing. She's like, I never thought how much strength training w- would make me a better rider. Right. And it's not just the capacity component. That's so cool. Um, it's cool that she recognized it's it. It's really too. cool. And um, I can agree, you know, affirm that that's true um, for the upper body strength. I know you want to talk about that. But I, when I was first learning to mountain bike, I remember doing uh, the Colorado Trail where you're at the Indian Creek Loop from Waterton, if anyone's a local listener. And I couldn't get up and over like these roots and things and... I mean, now it's no big deal, but back then when I was first learning to mountain bike, I didn't have any upper body strength. I yeah. couldn't get up and over anything. Mm-hmm. I was maxed out with my lungs, yeah. plus yeah. my muscles and coordination. Yeah. Um, so will you touch on that, with the, the, yeah. um, the research you did? Yeah, so I was, I was asked a handful of years back to write a chapter for um, a textbook that was going to go into medical school, but it's all about extreme sports. And so I have a chapter on injury prevention in extreme sports, which is a hard chapter to write because most of those are just don't crash. Don't yeah. fall when you're free soloing. Right. Make sure your parachute opens when you're oh, base jumping. <laughs> These kind of things. So, But I, I scouted the research for what was out there. And one of the things that really jumped out at me was in the mountain bike world, um, if you take both a male and a female rider and you normalize them for their skill level, um, more often than not, females had a higher incidence of crashes and injuries than the males did. Mm-hmm. And that came down to what they found was upper body strength. So 
Um, obviously, there's a number of reasons why you can fall, but more often than not, it's because somehow you lose control of that bike. And so the inability of, of um, some of the female riders in this particular study um, to control the bike at a higher speed and higher intensity of riding, um, they, they attributed that to the, the decrease when they did strength testing with these same athletes. So mm-hmm. they found That's that that awesome. decreased upper body strength increased risk of injury uh, due to crashing in the, the sport of mountain biking. So we, we have bikers all the time who say, hey, I just want to do lower body stuff because that's all I need. But especially if you're on the, mm-hmm. on the mountain bike, it's, Absolutely. it's the upper body strength is super important. Yeah, so, yeah especially Definitely. on the mountain biking. But I would argue that road cyclists too need to be strong because mm-hmm. you're climbing a mountain, you're going to stand and you need to be able to pull and push on the handlebars as you're, you're climbing. Yeah. Equally um, important, not as dramatically noticeable as right. mountain biking. But yeah, for sure. Equally important. And, and it's like a side note to that for me, my experience is um, when we go, usually in the winter, we'll take a trip down to like Sedona to ride. And, mm-hmm. and Sedona, if anyone's ridden there or hasn't ridden there, there's a lot of like kind of low speed technical rock options that are like very much rideable, but it requires a lot of, it's like slow cadence and a lot of like force on torque on the pedals, pulling on the bars. And I always can feel it, and it's always on my mind in the winter because we're doing a lot of strength training. And it's like that connection of like pulling on the bars. Push, pulling and pushing on the pedals and you feel like the hip extension and like like a deadlift and all these things oh, like you love it. You talk coming about it together yeah. and you're like yes I like literally like muscled my way up or through this like you know tricky piece that a lot of people wouldn't be able to ride and you can just feel like your whole body like working together and mm-hmm. the strength piece all coming together so it's it's to be able to control your bike it's pretty cool I, I think mm-hmm. it's always like makes me get excited <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think I've, I mean I'll jump in, in on that as well. I think you mentioned you threw the word deadlift out there, mm-hmm. right? And uh, I'd say one thing I see where people don't do a great job of strength training, where they sometimes think they might, is they think, well, riding is a, is a primarily knee joint mm-hmm. type of, of power thing. So they'll do like a, just laying on your stomach hamstring curl. They'll do knee extensions, or they'll do um, more joint specific work than true compound movements. And when you really look at EMG activation of a pedal stroke, right? So much of that comes from the hip and the high hamstring, right? right? As you're you're driving down, pulling through the bottom, all those types of things. And so um, I encourage pretty much all of my riders to do moderate to heavy deadlifts. I encourage them to to squat, um, kind of these big joint compound movements versus the knee joint specific movement. And if they do, if they are of that older mindset where they still have a hard time getting into the compound movements or they have some other adversity to free yeah, weights where, they can't, where yeah. they can't do it if they're going to do joint specific I'm going to have them work the hip okay. over the over the knee more often than not right um, work hip extension through the glute hip extension by hamstring because really I think that's where, where power comes from so I think that's that's awesome. a misconception in a lot of riders with yeah. self program right no that's great I'm, we're right in line with that I mean the core strength the two core strength movements in our program is the back squat and the deadlift yeah. you know learning how to do those first and building up to fairly heavy weight, you know, loads with them. And then in on the bike and the trainer, I think you did some of these with us a couple of years ago, the ILTs, the, the single-legged pedaling. Mm-hmm. I really emphasize the whole concept of, like, when we're pedaling with that one leg, especially the big gear version at higher torque, it's like that knee and hip extension and thinking about kind of pushing more through the heel rather than, like, the ball of the foot to mm-hmm. move it back more... So we're using more of our hips and upper hamstring versus like our quads if we're like pedaling more under the ball yeah, of the foot. Yeah, toe down. Right. Yeah, like toe down. Rather, instead, drop really focus, dropping that heel, kind of pushing forward and getting that whole 
posterior chain, the backside of the leg, yep. activated. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. That's a huge part of it. Yeah, to me, it's very, even visually, it's like, it's very similar to a deadlift extension, you know, pedaling the bike that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what are your thoughts on single leg weightlifting movements versus a, a typical classic barbell deadlift or a barbell back squat? Yeah, I think... I think if you're truly trying to build strength and capacity, I think the double leg mm-hmm. um, does a better job. Um, but I think if you're looking at asymmetries within the rider, which I think everyone has asymmetries, mm-hmm. I think the single leg work is awesome. So I, I, I usually encourage both. Um, I think there's been a big push in uh, the fitness world for a while of, of what some people consider functional training, where they put them on a BOSU or a exercise ball or all these things. I think that's great if you have troubles with stability or troubles with balance and I think it's a component that riders definitely need mm-hmm. um, but I don't like trying to build strength with um, stability at the same time okay. so when you think of uh, especially in something like cycling where it's a pretty uniplanar motion right yeah um, you want agonists or the muscles that are supposed to fire to be firing and the muscles that aren't firing to be turned off at the right time so there's a big timing component right. of that when you do stability training you have a ton of co-contraction Right, so you don't have the ability to really have an agonist or a, a muscle that's supposed to be firing, and the antagonist shutting off. Right. So, I I'm a big fan of stability training. I use stability training a lot, but I don't usually combine stability training with um, strength training. So, um, and even to the point. So here in clinic, we have um, some soft boxes. So we have our plyo boxes. They're soft. They're that high density yes. foam. Mm-hmm. And we do a lot of like single leg step down, step up, because um, I think some balance component does a nice job, but. Um, well, we've gotten to the point where I've manufactured a cut out a piece of plywood and everything else to give a more stable surface. So if we're truly trying to get that high step down off a 24-inch box, slow, controlled, everything else, I want to take that some of that balance component out of it so they can focus that more on the, the actual muscle control. The so, piece of it. Okay. Yeah, so I'm, I'm certainly not opposed to them. I use them a lot, but um, I've probably shifted in the last year or two doing like true like a single-leg Romanian deadlift or RDL almost like a kickstand deadlift so that back toe is still on the ground Hmm. so that takes some of the balance component out of it but you still get that single leg Ah, work Um, so it's just kind of where I've been shifting and so again I think both are important but I think recognizing what the goal of the exercise is is important and not not muddying the water between the two that makes sense and it kind of actually falls in line with our program because we focus the first half or the first phase on building the strength. Mm-hmm. And then the second half, we sort of back off the strength and focus more on the stability. So we're not doing them both at the yeah, same time. Yeah, yeah. And I think maybe I'll just run some of our things by Justin as we go to make sure yeah. it's optimizing our time with our group. Yeah. 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 I think it's, and again, there's, there's a lot of different ways to skin the cat and right. get, to, get to a good result. And everyone has their own, own approach. But that's kind of my, my thought on single leg versus Okay. Well, let's let's move into plyometrics too, because you just sort of touched on it. We we're talking about like um, I think you said timing or muscle timing. What, what, mm-hmm. what was the phrase you just used? But yeah. I've done a lot of plyometric work with you and David over here. So let's let's talk about all things plyometrics. <laughs> <laughs> um, a lot of people are afraid of plyometrics. Yeah. They always hear that you get hurt or whatever. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna hurt my knees if I jump. And in cycling, there isn't a huge like elastic rebound component like there is with running but I still think there's some benefit there yeah in, in, um, so I'll kind of give two perspectives on that okay. one kind of being first what the, what the literature shows uh, which is again where we try to base a lot of our practice but uh, looking at doing um, squat jumps, lunge jumps, um, some high intensity interval type things with, with plyo um, actually increases that peak torque as well as that peak power quicker than your, your heavy slow 
resistance style training right. does in the cyclist. So, um, so I think using that is, if, if you're trying to change that that peak power, that peak torque, all those kinds of things is, is very important. But really, what we use it for is the ability to rapidly generate force, um, as well as kind of tap into that elastic property. And, and I agree, there isn't a ton of elastic property in riding, but as you you power down on that that pedal stroke and kind of start that recovery on that that coming back up, there is that kind of rapid turn on turn off, That's especially true. if you're, you're spinning point. quick or you're yeah. you're hammering a, a red line yeah. as you're as you're mountain biking. So, I think it, it does a great job of building um, explosive power. It does a great job of building kind of that that peak power and timing. Um, and if done in in a progressive manner, I think is is very appropriate. I probably wouldn't start someone who comes in who's never done plyometrics. And never done strength training, doing a bunch of plyo day one. Yeah, um, right, right. But if, if you've developed that that strength initially, then then let's take that strength and do it with a time component where we're trying to move quickly, and that's really what that that plyometric comes into. And, right. and I think for plyos, for a lot of people, it, plyometric is kind of has this broad term now. Right. Right. The the true sense of plyometric is that that stretch shortening. Right. So you truly hit the ground and minimize t- your time on the ground. Right. Did you say stretch um, shortening? Yep. So. Okay. So um, it's that ability to, to quickly stretch a tendon or muscle and then use that elastic property recoil to, to like jump back. Like think about up. jumping off of a box, bouncing off the ground back up onto the box. Right. Yeah. That's like a true plyo. That's a true plyo. Yeah. And, and we do some of that, but if, as Kathy can probably attest, a lot of times when we have people hit the ground, they'll jump if they're doing something like a squat jump. We'll let them go through that full squat and then come back up into the jump. So we're not using the elastic property. We're actually using the muscles to decelerate in, a, in an eccentric loading right. manner, that lengthening loading manner and then regenerating force as we come back out. So we're, we're using it a lot oftentimes in what we'd consider more of like a, a dynamic movement um, or a like a ballistic movement, but it's not necessarily a true plyometric right, movement. Right, right. Which is probably much safer as well. It is for, yeah. Yeah, yeah and I think, I think both have their merit, I think. Um, but yeah, I think for the, the vast majority, especially in the cycling world, I think more that that dynamic component where it's land, Develop that eccentric loading yep. and then regenerate force as you go. I think is yeah. It's probably more. So like in our program, when you have them do the the box um, jump downs, yeah, the depth absorbing jumps. the depth yep. jumps, the absorbing yep. that load. Well, in the squat jumps, squat you're jumps squatting the out of a yeah. jump and coming back into the squat. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so we're jumping we, out of squat. If I said that wrong. Yeah, and I think you've done tuck jumps with us, right? Where you jump and you bring your knees up towards your chest to yep. have you do those. Yeah, um, like your torso doesn't move, it's like your knees. Your knees are coming up. up. And so we, we teach that two different ways. If we test it, we're actually testing, minimize your time on the ground, get off the ground as quick as you can. Mm-hmm. But if we're using it in a training capacity, we actually have them go through a full squat every time mm-hmm. as they're going okay. through it. So I okay. think it's, we use it differently because I think that full squat will develop um, the strength more so, whereas the, the true testing we look at more so symmetry and because injuries happen in a split second. So we're, we're more concerned with that when we're looking from an injury standpoint. But from mm. a training standpoint, we like that full motion okay. absorb and, and regenerate force. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, I like plyometrics personally. A lot well, I think that. there's a youthful quality to it. I, I've touched on that before. That if, if you continue to do movements you did as a kid, you're going to have better longevity yeah. in the sport. Delays your aging. If you stop doing things like... At, at jumping, um, crawling around, um, you know, getting up off the floor quickly, like all those things we, we did as a kid, playing on a playground or playing at home. Right. It just, yeah, then we age. Then we can't move in all of our ways in full capacity. Yeah. So keep doing things keep that moving. are youthful. Yep. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think the one other thing I would, I would just kind of throw in there is 
is going back to the timing of when you guys do it. I think you guys do a great job. You don't start out day one hammering plyometrics right. with these folks, right? And, and if you can't do an air squat well, right, if you can't do a moderate weight back squat with good form, probably don't need to jump into jumping and doing something at a high speed and, right. and trying to do that. So you have to master the movement and then develop speed with it. You have to master the movement, master the strength, and then you can add in the speed component. But without those first two, going to, to the dynamic or the speed probably is, is jumping the gun, right? so to right. speak. Yeah, agreed. So it's kind of like, would you say mobility first, then strength? So like in a squat, being able to actually squat properly slowly and, yep. and then adding strength to it and then adding the speed. Yep, kind of exactly. progression. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. You're so smart, Cody. I know. <laughs> well, what do, what do you have on your list that we maybe haven't touched on? Um, I mean, the only other thing that I kind of had on my list to talk about was the common injuries. Yes, yeah, 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 I wanted yeah. to do that. cycling. Yeah, that um, sounds great. So, I, I mean, I think there's a number of things, but if we just look at, take the crashing side out of it, right? right. You see a lot of unique injuries there, but the, <laughs> the overuse style injury, right, is primarily focused at the knee and the cyclist, right? Okay. It's, it's that IT band syndrome or that irritation on the outside of the knee, mm-hmm. or it's that patellofemoral pain, which is basically that pain right behind the kneecap or right over the front part of the knee. Those are those are really the two main ones that we see. You get some low back tightness and stiffness. Yeah, yeah. Um, you get some of that numbness maybe in your hands, your cleat with a bad bike fit, um, those kind of things. But when we really kind of look at what is what are the most common overuse style injuries, it, it really comes down to that, that knee, knee joint. Knee joint, okay. Um, and that knee joint is basically a one-dimensional joint sandwiched between two three-dimensional joints. Mm-hmm. Right? So your ankle's three-dimensional, your hip's three-dimensional. Yeah. So oftentimes we see pain at the knee, but that's not where the issue is. The issue is either at the hip or okay. at the foot. Okay. Um, so we'll look at, again, we look at bike fit. We always like to, to make sure they're set up fairly well, right? And uh, if you don't have someone that does it, go find your, your local bike shop, your professional who does a good bike fit, um, and, and definitely encourage them to go through that. Mm-hmm. And then from there, we look at, at just mechanics, what's going on both above and below. Okay. Right? And it can go back to that ankle dorsiflexion that we talked about, even yeah. though you're not necessarily at that end range. But if you're in that heel down pedal stroke, powering through the, the posterior chain, you need some of that dorsiflexion. If you don't have it, you're always going to be driving through that front part of the knee, which is going to right. load up the knee joint a little bit. Yeah. And I think as a side note, that's what happened to me at Leadville this year, 2019. Oh, yeah, Leadville 100. Because I mistakenly, uh, I, well, I switched out my seat posts and mistakenly had the seat a little higher than normal and uh-huh. didn't really realize it and I think because of that I was pedaling more on the forward half of my foot yep. and kind of loading that you know just irritating the, the yeah. front of the knee and under the kneecap yeah 75 miles in your knee had, I had enough call it good yeah, yeah. I was like I'm doing some bad stuff here and it took many weeks I came in and um, had some work done here but it took many weeks to kind of let that like I think it was just inflammation more or less that to go away and but a lot of that was like while I, I could still ride but I'd have to really focus on again dropping kind of pushing more through the heel getting the glutes involved less of the quad and getting more of the backside of the leg and uh-huh. really think like really thinking about it as I'm riding and yep. if I did that I would delay how long into the ride it would start being aggravated and at first it was like 10 minutes in the ride I could feel it and then it was like a half an hour, and then eventually an hour, and then it has now since gone away, but um, really interesting. Yeah, but a, a plug for Cascade, you came in, I, I made you come in and see somebody. <laughs> yeah. I think you saw Lara. Yeah. And I'm like, just find out. Find out what happened, and yeah. let's get fixed up. I, I just, I never understood someone who loves to run or loves to cycle or loves to swim or do their sport 
who fusses about something hurting and they won't just make yeah. a damn and appointment. we see that as coaches all you know, the time. Yeah. Yeah. Go make an appointment. Let them look at you. If nothing else, they're going to like rub your knee and make you feel better at least for yeah. that moment. But they'll tell you if you need to go get an MRI. They'll tell you if you, you think something really happened or if it was just kind of a weird fluke like you had. Yeah. Yeah, it's like... So get an appointment, if people, issue, yes. if something hurts. Seek a professional. I mean, their dog will sneeze and they run to the vet and... Get him special dog food, but <laughs> when he's killing them, and they're like, oh, I'll just wait. It'll it's get fine. better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of, the body is designed to heal, right? So yeah. so if you wait long enough and you modify what you do, certainly might heal up, and you probably will. But if your goal is to be back on the bike as soon as you can. Right, right. Um, and avoid. Yeah, and it's easier to treat a more acute issue than it is something that's chronic. So right. kind of my rule of thumb is you're going to have rides where you hurt afterwards, something sore or whatever else. If you modify what you do or whatever else, and you have five to seven days, and it goes away or it's trending in a good direction, cool, you're, you're probably totally fine. But if you've gone a, a week or so, and that pain's the exact same or it's worse, um, then it's probably worth making an appointment. So um, I definitely agree to come on in and see us, but but I, I respect the fact there's aches and pains. You have to see us for every little thing. But yeah, right. Sometimes I might run over too often. <laughs> but but if, you have, if you have a good week of, of doing stuff and you've modified, backed off a little bit, it's still just as bad. You probably It's probably worth... Right. Getting checked out. Okay. Yeah. Um, I agree. And then the other big one I'll, I'll touch on a little bit is, is both with the telephoral pain and the IT band syndrome is um, kind of going back to a plug for strength training is, is how many times do you watch someone's pedal stroke and as they come over the top or as they initiate that um, downstroke or down power aspect of it, you watch their knee and they get this, this knee wobble, mm-hmm. right? You yeah. see their knee and it wobbles in and wobbles out, wobbles yeah. in wobbles out. Well, that's probably fine if you go through that range of motion 100, 200 times, but if you're out for a several hours, a several hour yeah. ride, all of a sudden that starts to irritate stuff. So every time you get that, that wobble, right, you're going to load up um, and tension that IT band as well as that kneecap is going to butt up against the outside part of its groove okay. every time you do it. So if you kind of look at why people get that, going back to our length tension discussion we had before, hips in a pretty far flex position. You're trying to initiate that drive down, right? If you don't have the ability to control that rotational plane, at that hip joint, you're going to get this knee dip and this wobble of this knee in and out, in okay. and out, right? Yeah. So um, that goes back to kind of that, that plug of, of training through a full range, training a rotational and multi-directional um, position, but strength training is really what's going to clear up that, that wobble in yeah. the knees coming over the top of that pedal stroke. Right, right. That means so. then. I love it. Yeah. Strength train. Yeah, yeah. It's super key. Um, anything else we want to touch on? Did we miss anything? I think we've got through the list kind of I had. All right, that's good stuff. Yeah, well, thank yeah, you guys. We, we appreciate you so much. Yeah. yeah. You and your, your amazing staff over here. Yeah, and uh, so anyone locally listening, um, if you know where Session 6 is, if you train with us, um, it's literally like the next door over is Cascade Sports uh, Physical Therapy. Um, and you've seen every therapist here. Yeah, I've, I've enjoyed, <laughs> and maybe that sounds silly, but I've liked hopping around from you to David to Lara to Lauren to Kristen then yeah. because you all know different little secrets I feel like little tips and um, have a different perspective on it so I've really appreciated everybody here yeah yeah it's a really great crew and so if you do happen hopefully you don't but if you do have little niggles or things bugging you um, and you live in the area definitely come come see them here and if you don't live here um, what was you oh, I, I thought maybe Justin wanted to say something. Oh, I, was, I was just going to build off that and just say I, I consider myself lucky with the crew we have. So um, I have full faith in everybody and, yeah, and obviously too. appreciate 
being invited on, but yeah, um, yeah, it's it's super cool to have have the people. Around. I mean, I learn every day from yeah. our, our crew of folks. So because sometimes people say, "Well, who should I see over there?" I'm like, honestly, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I've literally seen everybody multiple times. Yeah, yeah. so I appreciate that, and yeah, appreciate the staff we have. So yeah, got a good thing going here. So. Um, and again, if you don't live in the area, I'm sure somewhere wherever you live, there's um, some good quality physical therapists and uh, to uh, look up and, and get to know. So, um, well, good. I appreciate your time, Justin. I want to run through just real quickly for those listening, following our base builder program, um, what we're up to coming into week 12 of our training program. There's not a lot of differences really um, on the strength training side in the gym with you. No, we're just getting a little heavier this block and throwing in some extra sets of push pull and core right and we'll try to put i put get more or get that mobility in. that is yeah you and i were talking yesterday over coffee that we've been pushing our time just a little bit and taking too long to get through some things and i we're not leaving those five ten minutes at the end that i'd like to have for mobility so um i'm gonna i've recommitted to kind of yeah, condensing yeah. or just kind of work moving through and stopping the chit chat so we have time for mobility. mobility it's really important. important. Yeah, absolutely. It's really important. Very good. And then following our indoor bike trainer workouts, if you're doing them in the gym or at home, um, uh, very similar workout structure with the spin ups, the high cadence work, the ILTs, the single legged pedaling um, goes up to three minute um, intervals. Actually, in the gym, because we had some technical snafus this week. Um, we might progress first to two minutes and then three minutes, Tuesday and Thursday. Um, and then aerobic threshold intervals are just upping it a little bit, five by five, up from four by five this last week. Um, yeah, so people, make sure you are staying within the limits of your aerobic heart rate So because that's that's the whole point of what we're doing right now. Yeah. And that's 80% of your max. Yeah, very much a moderate effort. We're just training that aerobic energy system it's really easy to cheat and go too hard because you feel like you're supposed to be going harder right but stick with the program yeah and the most effective way on a trainer to do this is make sure if you have a smart trainer you're not in the erg mode because it'll force you into the power resistance and it's possible on in some day because you're tired or work was stressful or whatever maybe your heart rate's a little higher at that same power it's better to be in the slope or level mode where you can just sort of essentially back it off don't put out as much power but keep your heart rate in the right zone because really ultimately we're training the aerobic system which is primarily focused on your heart basically we're training the heart muscle um to work well so even if you you aren't hitting like the power numbers you're necessarily wanting that's okay i mean if you're tired or stressed there's lots of things (laughs) that can affect all that sort of thing so pay attention more to the heart rate and be in slope or level mode um, and then outside, I mean, here locally, we've got a great weekend coming up. And I think even next weekend, looking ahead, looks good. Just get out and get those aerobic base miles in. Keep things fun and easy and try to spend as much time as you have available riding just to build that that base. So um, I think that kind of puts it up in a nutshell. But, um, yeah, so thanks again, Justin, for letting us come over and talk to you. And Thank you. Thanks for having me. Over here. And um, if anyone has any questions... Um, Actually, would you mind if anyone emailed you with questions? Yeah, feel free to email me. Absolutely okay. Uh, my email is justin at csinjuryprevention.com. Okay, so CS is in Cascade Sports, yep. injuryprevention.com. And then for myself or Kathy, as always, it's just our names at session6.com. So Cody with a C, Kathy with a K. Um, or you can go on our website, um, 
endurance.session6.com and there's the forum where you can ask questions as well which we can answer and other members um, can chime in with their answers and experiences as well um, and last but not least definitely subscribe to our podcast if you like what you hear um, we're available on iTunes and Google Podcasts and take a moment it's literally a couple seconds on iTunes to hit the hopefully the five star rating um, and if we're not five stars in your opinion let us know like what we can do better um, we're gradually improving everything from better microphone quality and things like that so let us know and then leave a review if you have an extra minute or two there so that helps us come up in the search engine it's a little bit better so, yeah thanks for listening yeah. have a wonderful weekend and we'll talk to you next week all right, all right. take care